What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Heyo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast. Coming to you live from C- I, I really just am not over the I presented thing. I, I keep wanting to say presented. Uh, welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me is Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Uh, and the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. Uh, we missed Herb yesterday, so mm-hmm. we'll get his first half review of the Chicago White Sox, who are currently 16 games under 500. 16 games under 500. 16. Um, and eight games back of the AL Central. We're, we'll play a little AL Central game about the three teams above the Royals and White Sox. Can you name their All-Stars? Uh, and then... Uh, We'll dive into the MLB draft. The Sox, I think, have so far made eight picks or so. Um, And then we'll preview the Home Run Derby, where Luis Robert Jr. will become a national star. We're very, very excited to talk to everybody. Make sure you're hitting the thumbs-up button. And uh, we appreciate uh, Drake, Samuel, David, Connor, all joining us already. I've got to give a shout-out, by the way. I was at Roscoe Village Burger Fest over the weekend. And I was stopped by uh, a loyal watcher-slash-listener. Hell yeah. Awesome. This name is going to sound like a joke, but he made sure to tell me that he is not the one of these. Sean Spicer, not that, okay. not the former press secretary uh, for, the, for the White House did, and Dancing with the Stars c- competitor. Did he um, say how he, he spelled it? Like I believe the he same spelled way? Sean different. Oh. So not like you. Yeah, so well, that's unfortunate because Sean, Spen- Sean Spicer spells it. Not that Sean Spicer, obviously, that's what we're talking about. The other Sean Spicer sure. spells it like me. But he stopped me at Burger Fest. Just as I was about to chow down on a delicious chorizo burger from Reggie's. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, said hi and said he watches the show. So there's your shout-out, Sean. Hello. Hello, Sean. Um, hey, we, we love other Sean. Uh, he's in, he's always in the chat. So we love other Sean Spicer now. Yeah, so, and uh, I met other Sean. Great other guy. Other Sean Spicer? No, just other Sean, too? the other Sean. You're in his uh, profile photo oh, on cin- you now. Yeah, Cincinnati Sean. Yes. Or, or Ohio Sean, because he told me about the uh, the – Kyle Schwarber Monument in Middle Middletown, Ohio, which is, I guess, is more of a plaque, not monument. Sure. Um, anyways, uh, her against sixteen games under five hundred. Yeah. The Chicago White Sox are uh, thirty-eight and fifty-four, eight games back of the AL Central. What do you make of this team? Uh, Stephen and I did some stock up, stock down during the uh, dur- during the show yesterday, and then we had Vinny on, and we talked a little bit about you know what the clubhouse vibe is, uh, the culture of the White Sox. So make sure if you missed any of that to check that out. But uh, what do you make of the team that is against sixteen games under five hundred? I mean, team as a whole, I think just speaks to the organization. So it's thumbs down, and stock is way, way down on that one. But there are, and we've, you guys already probably went over it yesterday, so there won't be any, like, more piling on to the bad. But I want to focus on the good. 
especially one guy, and we already know about Luis Robert. We'll talk about him a little later. But the guy who pitched yesterday, Lucas Giolito. And that's the thing I'm going to be sad about when he leaves, when he either leaves via trade before this month of uh, July is over on August 1st is the deadline, or he leaves in free agency because think about his whole career. Bad in 2018, worst pitcher in baseball, Stephen B. Smith said. Came back, retooled with uh, Ethan Katz, became an all-star, became a good, reliable, top-of-the-rotation guy, 19-20-21. Fell off the table last year, gained weight, was hurt often, got uh, COVID, never really recovered from any of the ailments he had last year. And then he went into the lab this year on his last year, walk year, and there was a lot of doubt. There's a lot of the same stuff that's happening with Tim right now with through fans, how they want to give up on him, DFA him, trade him type of stuff. That was all last year. Lucas was the focus of that. Mm-hmm. He came back from that and became a he always was a professional and understood the task at hand and he's come out this year and had a fantastic first half. Not all-star worthy cuz there's other superior pitchers in the league, but right on the cusp of that. And so I want to give kudos to his first half on this team that has been bad. It's hard to do that and the Lucas Giolito has persevered through tough times and I'm going to miss the professional that is Lucas Giolito. I hope the White Sox and himself will work out a way where he can come back cuz I think his leadership is valuable to the White Sox moving forward. If only our CHGO White Sox beat writer Vinny Duber posted an article on allchgo.com about Lucas Giolito's first half. Oh, wait, he did. It's true. Mm-hmm. What would you write about? Well, I mean, I, there's really only one topic that people want to know about with Lucas right now, and, and you brought it up, Herb, and it's what's going to happen here. And listen, he's been adamant. He brought it up again yesterday. He wants to stay on the south side. He wants to be a White Sox. He's loyal to this organization. And, and it's not one of those – I mean, listen – Every professional player does this. We heard it from Elvis Andrews last year. We've yeah. heard it from plenty of guys who have come to the end of their tenure, and, and, and you ask them, oh, would you like to come back? And they all go, yeah, I had a great time here. It's a great environment, and I'm sure I'd love to be back if it all works out kind of thing. Lucas has gone far beyond that. He's said he's loyal to the organization. He's talked about why in depth when we showed the interview that I did with mm-hmm. him a, a, a short while ago, it was, hey, Every step of the way in my career, they've supported me, and I've been able to grow into the player I am today because of what the White Sox helped and allowed me to do. And that, I don't think, is something that any fan should take for granted. I know a lot of fans like to act like a front office, you know, and, and, and like to look at cold numbers and, who, you know, how do we, how do we accomplish this goal? How do we get the, uh, the, the data to make us win kind of thing? Mm-hmm. There's something to be said for a guy who, A, is already just the, the dude, the good dude that Lucas is, but B, likes being a part of this team and likes, you know, wearing the same ball cap that you guys wear every single day. There's something to say about what fans should be rooting for that kind of outcome, that this isn't just a 9-5 to five maybe for these guys, but it is something that they uh, have dedicated their life to. And, uh, you know, in the case of Lucas, that seems to be what he feels. Now, of course... Baseball is a business, and Lucas and any other free agent has every right to go take the highest contract that's offered to him. Um, I think one the, the way I phrased it today, and, and certainly fans are, are welcome to be a little harsher, but um, is that there is a reputation that the White Sox have as not wanting to pay top dollar for free agents starting pitching. Uh, and the thing that I remember that Rick Hahn always said throughout the rebuild was there's a lot of narratives about this team that we have – 
either are looking to or have done away with, right, by the actions that they've taken. And, and certainly that's the case. There were things that people were like, oh, the White Sox will never do that, and, the, and they did it, right? Whether it's with Lucas or whoever, looking at a offseason in which you might need to replace three starting pitchers, three holes in the rotation, you might need to, to get rid of that reputation or get rid of that narrative. Whether you think it's fair or not, if you're the White Sox, you might need to forcefully get rid of it just in order to compete next year, in order mm-hmm. to stock your team. So Lucas Giolito is going to command top dollar if he keeps pitching like this. Uh, I think the stat that I looked at in uh, today was just look at the ERA. It's 345 right now, higher than it was at the end of each of the last three seasons, two of which, by the way, included top 11 Cy Young finishes. And the end-of-season ERA in the year where he went to the All-Star game also finished high in the Cy Young vote. Uh, it was 341. So right now he's pitching over a, over a long period of time as well as he has in his career. He's an accomplished guy, an accomplished arm, and you would imagine that a lot of teams are going to be interested in him. If, not, if the White Sox don't want to part with him at the trade deadline, then when, when free agency rolls around. So they better be... Um, They've got some decisions to make. Yeah, a lot of the rate stats are very similar for him. A home run per nine from 2021, uh, 1.4 right now, 1.4. Uh, Cape, uh, walk per nine, 2.6, 2.7 from 2021 and, and 2023. Uh, and then you look at the strikeout per nine, uh, 9.4 to 10.1. I think a large part of that is uh, Lucas has kind of become more of a pitcher. And what we brought up yesterday is, again, like the changeup was the pitch in 2020 where, you know, he's thrown it 39 times straight to James McCann. Um, and, you know, that's that's the dominant pitch that he's using in the Pirates no-hitter. But then in 2021, we see a little bit more development from Lucas, but now we see him throw the changeup like 10 times in a game. Like he's mainly forcing fastball and slider, and he is mainly working on location, and he does seem like a mature professional uh, pitcher. And if this is the window, if if you're truly selling that this team can be competitive, I, I see no reason why you wouldn't want to sign Lucas Giolito to be on this team, especially if there is loyalty. And you always bring up the story about him being a first-rounder and, and Mike Rizzo signing him and, and Lucas knowing his price, knowing his worth. Obviously, that's fitting for a, a draft show. Um, but Lucas, I think, is going to go get his worth out in the open market because that's what every baseball pitcher waits for is the opportunity to be wanted, courted, and to get what you have always worked your entire life for to have those ups and downs and to bounce back from an injury and being the worst pitcher in baseball and finally getting rewarded and we see the Cubs on the other side give Jameson Tyone 68 million dollars for four years I think Giolito's a little bit better yep. than 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 uh um Tyone uh Tyone yeah uh but I, I did see some people you know saying he's not an ace so I do wonder if that Caps met like a hundred million, and that's where you know you're well, always saying like spreadsheets. I didn't want to get into the spreadsheets. Well, I'm, I'm just, just saying, saying, you know, no, no, I'm just saying like dorky. that's 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 Dweeb. these people's opinion. I, I mean, I saw those comments yesterday when I was when I posted my story and stuff like that. Like that's people's opinions. Front offices might have a different one, mm-hmm. and there might be there might be teams out there that say we can we can unlock that guy. We can get that guy <laughs> who threw that game. In, in 2020, that, yeah. that postseason game in 2020, we can get that guy on a regular basis because we have the, the tools to do that. The White Sox might think the same thing. I mean, we are not too far removed from Lucas Giolito being talked about as the ace of this staff. Certainly yeah. he has been through the first three months of this season. Well, so, I mean, we I always get a little annoyed about their love for first-rounders and first-round talents and always loving a prospect and keeping that love. 
Just Giolito and personal relationships are usually important to White Sox and free agents. And, oh, yeah, he has their, his pitching coach here. Like, again, like, I mean, it makes sense for that relationship to continue. And I, I wouldn't be upset if it does. It's just, again, if we're following history, the last time they went out and made a big signing was Dallas Keuchel, $50 million for three years. And, again, it was on and off a down year for, for Keuchel after he wasn't even uh, courted uh, as a free agent and, and then picked up for the Braves uh, in June. And, and we saw another guy like that also being a White Sox uniform in Craig Kimbrell. Kimbrell. Uh, so, I mean, I, I just don't think that they would go over a certain number because of history. If they do, I'm not going to be upset, especially for this guy. Yeah, and I always use the term born on third, thinks he had a triple. It's the Barry Switzer line from back in the 80s. Lucas was born on third. Family full of actors, dad, I think, uh, does some software for video games. So he had a good, healthy life where he didn't have to strive for anything, and he could have just sailed with being the son of some wealthy people. But it doesn't seem that that drives him. It seems like the person is also a great person that wants to do it on his own, doesn't want to live off the laurels of his family. He wants to earn his own. And so if he wants to go out and get the money that the top bidder gives – I can see him doing that, but also I can see Lucas being the person that he is, get the White Sox the opportunity of first refusal. Some team signs him to or asks for a big-ass deal and goes back to the White Sox and says, hey, man, these people are offering five for 100. You got this? I want to be here. It's yeah. only 20 per. You got this. I can see that guy being saying, hey, don't run away from happiness. Yes, we're not good, and I'm not, I haven't been good the last couple of years, but I'm comfortable here, as Vinny says in his article. They've given me opportunities to do things that other teams would not have given me the chance, you know, because he came up to the Nationals. And I think he even says that he failed as a national major leaguer. Then he had to go back to the the minor leagues, and that's where the White Sox picked him up. So maybe he has an affinity for that, and he feels like, okay, if they come in the ballpark, not necessarily a hometown discount, but they've Mm -hmm. given me so much, I'm not going to run away from happiness. I'm cool here. I can still do whatever I want to do with my initiatives. And also strive to make this team better than it was and, before. And this is not happening in a vacuum no. either. The White Sox are more than likely going to go into this offseason hoping to compete in 2024. And, and fans can have their opinion on how much work that will take to actually accomplish that. But you, the White Sox are going to need starting pitching. They're going to need to go out and get starting pitching if they want to do what they think that they're able to do with, you know, if they still have the opinion, hey, this group of position players, just a little more time, they can get it together that we think that, or we are in the position where we have to let them, you know, let them have another crack at this. But if the pitching, if they need, if they need to fill 60% of that rotation, they got to go out and get some starting pitching. And Lucas Giolito is a starting pitcher. Yes. (laughs) I I just think, when we hear Rick talk, he doesn't believe in the contendership. Is that a word? It is now. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Mercy. Yeah, we don't understand um, what you're Of this team, right? And For 2023. For 2023. Right. Um, but I do wonder if the expectation, expectation changes for 2024 from where making the playoffs would be good enough for the 2024 squad rather than, you know, what, what okay. the expectations were for the 2023 squad. Okay, you so, still need three starting pitchers. You do, <laughs> but I don't know if that means go sign a $100 million plus starter. That, that, that's, that's the thing. Is that, you know, if that is the expectation to be on the caliber of the Yankees and, and Astros, you should sign Lucas Giolito. But I, I think that the, the goalposts are moving a, a little bit. Speaking uh, of moving goalposts, we need a new team for that, by the way, because the Yankees are in 
like for, like third or fourth place. Yeah, they're bad. Oh yeah, like yeah. Sean Casey is now their new hitting coach. Ugh. We need to we need to start saying the caliber of the the Astros and the Rays. <laughs> they have twenty Rays and Orioles. I know, I know, but they have twenty seven <laughs> World Series. I'm it's merely insane. joking. But I know, yes, but yeah. I'm just saying like, yeah. that's still absurd. Uh, but yeah, thank you everybody for uh, for hanging out with us. Uh, I did like the comment earlier from I think David uh, saying about uh, you know now is uh, all the, all the way up. Uh, yeah, David saying I need this conversation. Thinking about the current form of the team is depressing. On to the future. We'll jump into uh, the draft in just a second. Um, but we did have a pre-show conversation uh, about L stops, um, <laughs> and Ian was saying. Uh, I asked, you know, do you guys have any questions for today's show? And he said, how are you guys going to cover, in essence, a dead season now? And we're going to rank L stops. Um, We're going to, at each show. We're going to rank stops? Oh, L. um, Lines? Lines. I mean, we could do stops. Ranking stops would be. That would require an awful lot of research. Yes. (laughs) You ride the train. (laughs) Hey. I'm saying we're Jeffrey Bear. Well, how many many are there? There, It's eight colors? Eight lines? I don't think there's that. Yellow, oh, purple, if you're including the, green, the Skokie Spur. Uh, red, what? brown. That's not a color. The yellow line is just the Skokie Spur. It's just two stops. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it comes off of the purple line. In which you don't yeah. believe is real. Yeah, the purple line is not real. Okay. So if the yellow line's a thing, no, it's not. <laughs> the Skokie yeah, Spur. The Skokie Spur, If you need to go to, like, go to, like, Old Orchard, take that, I think. But well, I don't know what the hell is Old, Old Orchard. Orchard's a mall. A mall. Good Malls are places where stores are all together, usually yeah. indoors. Sean, you don't need to go. So, to, go yeah, to a mall. I, yeah. There's a thing called a website. Yeah, 80s yeah. was very popular. Yeah. 90s, we used to hang out, do nothing, eat a Cinnabon every once in a while. That sounds fun. Watch girls, not talk to them. You know, the mall. That's Woodfield creepy. used to have those, like, fish tanks. Remember, was that Woodfield or Stratford Square? Which I was a Stratford one. Square yeah. person, so I never seen fish tanks. fish tanks. Yeah, I don't I was, remember this. You'd uh, walk in the middle. They had, like, a little, like, Crap aquarium where you'd go and it'd be like little fish flo- floating around in there. See, maybe born on third is Lucas Giolito's life. I was born on second. Uh, my mall was the Orland Park Mall, uh, where oh man, the middle of that mall, a gorgeous, gorgeous waterfall, and you could you uh, a beautiful fountain, fancy uh, mall. And it, I felt like <laughs> man, I was at the the Illinois Trevi Fountain, uh, tossing in my coins. It was it was beautiful. A nice so, food court there too, right by that waterfall, right? Or fountain. Yeah. Say, say that again. Fountain? Waterfall. I'm not doing that now. Okay. Yeah. We're See, not doing he that. says it weird. Water. 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 With a D? You muted his mic. All right. I'm just saying, go back and listen to Steven say W-A-D-E-R. water. W-A-D-E-R? Yeah, water. Um, so, yeah, we'll be ranking uh, L stops. So, uh, just to, or L lines. Uh, and and, and we'll, we'll get to that. Because what? Orange line's pretty mid from oh, our conversation already. Well, we were t- so, Bad. I'm going to, I'll be at Midway tomorrow morning. And uh, the orange line, obviously, goes there. But I was just... You look at a map of the L or happen to ride the L at any point, and the brown line has, like, there's, like, a stop every four blocks. Mm -hmm. There's just tons of stops on the brown line. And redundant sometimes with the red line. You could walk between brown line stops in, like, ten minutes. It's like, why is there a stop here? The orange line has, like, eight stops total. Like, it's an entire section of the city that is not being as served. served quite as well as some other sections of the city. I don't mean to really get into the political aspect of the so- socioeconomic <laughs> aspects of this, but... Well, I mean, no offense, we are talking about the red line. So, I mean, that's kind of... 
I mean, red, red yeah. line. I mean, I'm sorry, red. That was a red yeah, I got you. I got, I got you. We got you. I guess. Yeah. I guess we shouldn't get into it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. People know. Okay. Yeah. They understand. Um, they they get where we're dropping. Um. But yeah. I, I mean, like you you mentioned, even I mean, look, 35th in Archer, and then the next one is like 47th in Western, uh, for 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 the Orange Line. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a long walk. There. Yeah. And that's going diagonally too. Right. It's going like it's not going straight down 35th or straight down Archer. It's going diagonally, so all those streets are missing a ride. You got to walk or get another train or bus to the next Orange Line. You probably have to take two buses. Probably <laughs> eight, eight stops. Uh, no, the whole eight, line, eight lines. Well, there are eight no, lines, eight including lines. purple and yellow. No yellow. Just We're including purple. Yeah, right. and I, I did, I did think. I guess I, I, I threw that one a bone. The purple <laughs> line does not exist. It is my eight. I don't know if you guys want to. The disagree. purple line is fine. What's wrong with the purple line? It goes line? downtown. It doesn't exist. It goes downtown. It goes no, in it the loop and goes right back this to is where it's an Odd opinion that you have. It, it only exist. goes like in the mornings and the night, or like in the rush hour area. It's why? Why is it an odd opinion for me to have? It's the most northern. That a, that a, it's the most northern line that's half express that I never use because I'm a. Your opinion is that it doesn't exist. It no, obviously exists. No You're one, talking about it. You've never given me proof. I've been, I've on, been on it many You've times. You've gone to journalism school. I need to see it. I. You've gone to, I've on it. That's taken great. it to That's cover a, to cover football games at, uh, yeah. at Northwestern, yeah. which we don't need to talk about wow. any further. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. I got. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, this, yeah, this is not going to be a baseball show at all. Best L line, Brown. Yeah, in terms of like quality, mm-hmm. Brown. Yeah, it, the Brown line. Yeah, yeah I've, the views too. Yeah, I think, I think coming out of the L when you're going like northwest, especially the, you know that that bridge crossing, I think that that's the best view on a train. And the Brown Line, you don't go subway, you don't go underground. Correct. The whole time, you stay above ground. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, other ones do that, and I'm not a fan of that. You guys, especially you, if you, I don't know if you guys have this effect. I, I live close to the red line, so sometimes I take that to the guaranteed rate. If you're just listening to your headphones and just zoning out at a spot and not looking outside, and you get out of that spot, like you go to the uh, guaranteed route, yeah, from underground, not guaranteed rate, like Madison, Lake, Lake mm-hmm. you get up and every time. I've got, like, motion sickness. Like, mm-hmm. I feel sick to my stomach. Oh, I just have no idea what direction I'm facing. Yeah, and I think right. my body's like, <laughs> yeah, you've been zoning out, your body's been moving, and now you're going to pay the the, you know, being sick because you were, you know, not paying attention to your circumstances and understanding that you were in a moving situation. I don't usually get sickness and motion sickness, but every time I get out of the red line and I'm going underneath the ground, I get motion sickness. I agree with everything you're saying, but I'm guessing we have some city workers that listen to our show, probably mm-hmm. Sox fans. Hopefully. Um, if anyone does work in the tunnels and can show me the tunnels, it would be cool to see the tunnels. Um, I mean, like, you guys ever know about the the stop that's just completely under 37 uh, North? They spent, like, a uh, like billion dollars on it and just it never opened. Was it like the, the underground water reclamation project? They know. tried to make some stops and it never happened, so they just gave up on it? They're trying to make, like, a super center for, for, oh, for all okay. stops. And they're just like, Which eh. is just Clark and Lake. Right. Right. And Currently, they just, yeah, and right. They just and never like opened Grifter it. also tried to make, a like, a super loop from uh, O'Hare oh, to yeah. downtown. And it has now, nothing and, to do with the L. Instead, he, you know, bought Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, we can see that. Worst L line. The uh, worst one? As far as, I mean, you could say your worst one. I got one, my choice on this one. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I have one. Come on. That's no fun. Well, the worst one. I haven't. I've only, 
Who's your desert island artist? Oh, I love every band. The pink, the pink line to me, it doesn't really do anything for me. I never take it. That's I don't the go only that one way. I haven't been on. I don't go okay. anywhere. It, yeah, like it doesn't have a stop. It. it doesn't have a stop right there for the United Center, but I think it's being worked on. Mm-hmm. It's the rumor. Yeah, so it's like goes like Green Line stop. Goes like Morgan, and then it goes to Illinois Medical Center, which Illinois Medical District. It's weird. You guys took it to Humboldt Park to go to Riot Fest. That'd be pink, or would that be blue? Hum- that'd be blue. Humboldt okay. Park to go to Humboldt Park. Yeah. Oh yeah, you would. Pink have to line take- turns and goes south. Yeah, it goes loop out south. Yeah. Right. Same thing with the orange line. So yeah, it would have to be blue. Okay. Maybe it was the green. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if I've been on the pink. I think I have been on the pink because then I think I needed to go like. No, I don't know. I don't <laughs> think I've been on the pink. Anyways. Uh, where does Ashland take you? The road? Well, no, the Ashland Green Line and, and Pink Line stop. Maybe I've taken the Pink the Line. The Ashland Green to, Line stop is the closest one in the United States. I think I've taken the Pink Line to the Union, to Union Park. Which for, is right there. That's, yeah, that's for, right at the Ashland for, stop. Okay, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. for uh, Pitchfork. Different music go. fest. There, there you go. go. And then the Blue Line. Nice to, work. Uh, right fest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so I have taken the Pink Line. Pink Line's fine. Pink Line's like the Brown Line, uh, it's, it's the. the the brown line equivalent to the red line. but uh, The green line... Brown is to red as pink is to blue. There it is. Is that what you're trying to say? No, because I'm trying to work in the green. Anyways, we'll, fi- we'll workshop it. Uh, anyways, we'll, we'll figure it out. We're going to be doing this for basically three more months. Um, I hope you enjoy. Uh, let's take a break, and we'll jump into the NBA... Uh, not the NBA draft. Uh, the MLB Please. draft. Uh, and then we'll talk about Luis Robert Jr. and tonight's home run Derby, want to let you know about our friends over at Game Time. And then after, Vinny and Herb will let you know about our friends over at ComEd. If you are looking to get into a game, maybe you're an Atlanta White Sox fan. Herb was down in Atlanta last year and got to check out the the, the Sox and the ATL. I don't know if they like people saying that. Do they? I mean, technically it's in Cobb County, so yes. They probably don't like that either. (laughs) Okay. Um, if you are in Cobb County, maybe it's like you throwing check out. The, the, how the Bears are going to have to have the AH on the helmet. Yeah, yeah. And the big balls, man. I mean, if they do, if the White Sox, <laughs> if the Bears do what the Braves did in Atlanta, I think <laughs> no one. What was that? What the big boss man? Yeah, what is that? You guys don't know what the big boss man is? Yes, from WWF. WWF. I never, I just, <laughs> the big boss man is from <laughs> Cobb <laughs> County. He's a he's a jailer from Cobb County. And they hung him. I mean, he didn't know. He yeah, was alive hanging. The oh, Undertaker hung stop that Stop it. I know, but, but people don't know if he actually Still died. real to me, damn it. I mean, he's currently dead, but yes. This is the weirdest game time read ever. Oh, yeah. Game time loves it. Um, but, well, yeah, if, if, the, if the Bears did the same thing in Arlington Heights that the Braves did in uh, Atlanta, I think everybody would be happy. Ian, the show's going to get goofy uh, for, for a while. Um, you were in Cobb County I last was. year. Great time. And you got the game time guarantee. Oh, it was so great. I mean, I looked at the tickets. I bought them. Just... Sight unseen, and then I just like I want to try out Game Time because I know these companies sometimes they're like, Oh, we'll give you the 110% guarantee, and then they make you jump through hoops to get it. No, sir. I looked for another place, another place did have another third party ticketing site, had it at a cheaper price in the same row in the same section for the same game. I took a screenshot of that, uh, see what the final price would have been on that site, and I sent it to Game Time, sent an email to their uh, customer service 12 minutes later in my email. $46, which was 110% of the difference. Herb got the game time guarantee, and he did not stress when he snagged the tickets. So download the game time app, create an account, 
and we're going to be real nice. We're going to give you code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed uh, after the All-Star game. Uh, the Sox have nine straight road games, uh, and then they're back for uh, the Cubs uh, on the 25th and 26th. So uh, just a heads up, maybe, maybe you're in uh, Minnesota, maybe you're in New York. Maybe you're in Cobb County uh, and you, you want to watch the, the Sox on the road. But if not, uh, the 25th and 26th uh, is the next time they're at home. Clark gets my Clark Reamer. So does Kevin Kadick. <laughs> uh, that, I just say He's that currently, cur- that currently yeah. dead thing. Uh, I mean, I Walt know. Disney is currently dead. He is. And also frozen. Is he? Yeah, they froze him. Mm. Is that where the movie comes from? Him and Ted Williams. Uh, the com- <laughs> combat They're energy. in a pod together. They're they in the same podcast? podcast? No, awesome. No, no, no. Oh, that, oh, that <laughs> the is, Walt Disney, the Ted first, Williams podcast? first podcast is when they froze Walt Disney Ooh, and Ted Williams I don't together. know if I want to list that Walt Disney one too tough. Real good. Uh, the Common Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve, helping manage energy usage and lower energy bills. Now and into the future, Vinny. Herb, that's true. ComEd offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across the territory. That needs a capital T and a capital T. Mm-hmm. You know how they've got, um, you know, like the region, yeah. the land for some reason in Cleveland? This could the be, Ohio State University. This could be the territory. ComEd also offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities, such as those for HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. Vinny, how does that work? Herb, I'll tell you. Thank you. An authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and your needs. These can be done in person or virtually like your, you know, Tron or something, and last approximately <laughs> two hours. Within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. If you, Herb, own a business, do not wait. I won't. And here is, fittingly, for what we just talked about, the CTA, the Chicago Transit Authority. And it's yellow. This is the yellow line right here. The Skokie Spur. Oh. <laughs> Get started saving money That's and in the energy. territory. <laughs> it is in the territory. Get started saving money and energy today. For energy saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash poweringbiz. Is that comed.com slash poweringbiz, Vinny? Yes, Herb. If you or the listeners want to schedule it, don't put it off. Don't schedule it for like next week. Schedule it today. 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 And see, Kevin said also Big Bossman's entire persona was based on police brutality. And he was like still the, like the eighth most problematic guy on WWE. And I like you put WWE, we as kids, as Kevin knows, used to call it WWF. Then the pandas came for him and they sued him. Hey, but no, but I mean, when, when it was <laughs> WWE, there's a lot of problematic characters coming out. I mean, like I, I would say one character that you guys won't know, Gene Snitsky. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a reason he they had don't talk genes. about they yeah, had a mean, mean Gene Okerlund and a, a, a second what? Gene. And well, one was beloved Mean Gene, even though he was mean. Even though he was mean, right? right. Um, really a, a, a small gregarious feller he was. Um, and then Gene Snitsky, a, a gnarly man. Uh, and uh, there's, a, there's a, a lot of nasty stuff that they did in the early 2000s. And a, a, a young seven-year-old should not have been watching that. When I was a kid and I didn't know anything about anything else, especially about Jewish people uh, separate – they had a character named IRS. Look into the character. Oh, my God. Talk about problematic. I knew at that time that that character was wrong. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. This I mean, name I'm stands sure. for something. I look it up what it's na- what it stands for, and don't say it, Sean. Maybe you shouldn't look it up. Oh my god! Well, I always I always knew that that guy is Mike Rotunda, and he has like kids that are are, are wrestlers. He's the dad of Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas. Oh my god! Um, I'm sorry. His so, name is Mike Rotunda, and he felt the need to come up with a well, different name. Well, Vince uh, that was thought yeah. he needed a That's different a great name, name. and Vince head. was woof, woof. All right. Yeah. What well, was okay. is yeah. currently yeah. terrible. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um. I, I got you. Yeah, I never knew it was a... Yeah, you didn't know that was a wrestler? No, I did, but I just knew it was IRS. Mm. You know, because I was... They, they didn't want to be uh, anti-Semitic, I guess. So I wonder why. Um, Don't like that. You mentioned the, the CTA. Um, again, that would probably be higher than Big Boss Man on Kevin's list. Uh, would be IRS. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned yes. the CTA. CTA, yeah. sorry. Uh, I, I said a billion dollars on that, that thing. Uh, this is from NBC Chicago, Phil Rogers and Katie Smizer. How Chicago spent $400 million on a subway superstation to nowhere. Um, again, if you can get me access, please let me know. But imagine a scenario, guys, where you bury a lot of your hard-earned money in the yard and you never see it again. Better yet, imagine giving that money to someone else who buries it with big promises of returns, which never happens. Is that far-fetched? Are you just reading a story off the internet right I gave now? him credit. You've already done it, folks. It's below Block 37 between State and Dearborn at Randolph, and the CTA wanted to launch a nonstop train service from the Loop to O'Hare and Midway airports. But the closest the service came to reality was a shell of a mass transit superstation super below Block 37 between the Red Line and Blue, Way, uh, Blue uh, Subway lines. So it's just underground. They spent $400 million on it, and I want to see it. I've already got a fantastic solution for this. What? Concert venue. Boom. Done. Oh, the, the, Do it. That's so sick. <laughs> that is so sick. I agree with you. That would be smooth <laughs> as hell. Um, all right. Mercy. Um, again. Call the catacombs. If you're I know we already Chicago, had the catacombs. Hook us up. Um, let's jump into the MLB draft. Uh, Steven, why don't you update us on the players that the White Sox have selected so far and, and some interesting uh, names in here and uh, some interesting developments. Uh, 2023 draft class, as of uh, the moment Steven just made this graphic, um, what? 30 minutes ago, sure. Yeah, that's ago. Okay. Um, in the first round, they took Jacob Gonzalez out of Old Miss, a shortstop. In the second round, they took uh, right-handed pitcher Grant Taylor out of LSU. In the third round, they took Seth Keener out of Wake Forest, a right-handed pitcher. In the fourth round, they took uh, Calcium Horseradish out of Ole Miss, a catcher. Um, <laughs> in the fifth round, they took Christian Opor uh, out of Gulf Coast uh, Coastal uh Community college? Community college. Um, I was going to say Coastal College. That's not a thing. Uh, in the sixth round, they took uh, left-handed pitcher Lucas Gordon out of Texas. The seventh-round pick is getting a lot of buzz. Outfielder George Wolkow out of Downers Grove. North. Downers Grove North. Local product. Um, then in the eighth round, they took Eddie Park out of Stanford. And in the ninth round, they took Jake Peppers and I out just, of Jacksonville State. Because they just emailed it to me. Here is your tenth-round draft pick. Uh, right-handed pitcher Zach Franklin out of my alma mater, the University of Missouri. Hey! Oh, Ryan's not here. You guys could have had a Mizzou party. Uh, they, so they stay in the SEC, um, and that's the big thing right there. Uh, Steven, just uh, feel free to flash that up just real quick because they took Ole Miss, LSU, Ole Miss, Texas, and then now uh, Mizzou. Missouri. Mizzou. Mm-hmm. So that's five SEC players right now. Uh, five out of the ten are SEC players. And the one thing for Jacob Gonzalez, and we'll get to some audio from him and Mike Shirley in just a second, but uh, Jacob Gonzalez, uh, Calcium Horseradish, and then the 10th-round pick last year, uh, Tim Elko, uh, all Ole Miss players. So a, 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 a big, big pipeline for Mike Shirley and Ole Miss. 
My favorite anecdote about Ole Miss is from several years back. Herb, you might remember this. They, their, their mascot, their used, the guy that used to be their mascot, on theme, problematic. Very much. Uh, so they were going to get rid of the mascot, but they wanted to keep the, the team name, as they did, right, the Rebels. So they had a contest, a, a vote amongst the current student body, what should the new mascot be for it to go along with the team name, the Rebels. And... Herb, you won't get this joke, but Sean will. Ooh. The uh, students elected Admiral Akbar ah. because a, a, a leader of the Rebel Alliance, very hilarious, school decided to scrap the whole thing and pick a black bear instead. Annoying. <laughs> Annoying and dumb. It could have been an Could have alien. been Admiral Akbar. How many aliens are there in college football? Not enough. Not enough? <laughs> I'm sure George Lucas would have played ball too. Absolutely. Right. Like, just pay me a bunch of money, use them. Yeah. Go ahead. Just, yeah. or just or- the University of Oregon currently uses a Disney character as their mascot. The duck? Yeah, yeah oh. it's Donald Duck. Okay. If you look at the drawing, it's Donald Duck. Really? Yeah. So they could have just had another one. Used to be, it seemed like it was a little bit more of a ferocious duck. I'm so going, I think maybe like Jacob Gonzalez should have to weigh in on this. Okay, well, I don't know Jacob, why doesn't Jacob Gonzalez <laughs> weigh in on this? Uh, we'll get to uh, what I think is probably the more exciting pick in the seventh round, but we'll talk how they got there. Uh, Jacob Gonzalez, uh, 21 years old, was a junior in Ole Miss in his sophomore year, won the College World Series with Ole Miss was teammates with Tim Elko, who again was a 10th round pick last year. And the White Sox in the MLB draft combine got down to uh, got the chance to sit with Jacob Gonzalez and Jacob Gonzalez talked about what the White Sox uh, wanted to focus on with him and what the Sox noticed in the prospect when I met with with you the White Sox they they're the only team to show video on my swing and they were like very interested in what like on the video there they wanted to know what I was trying to do in it and what they see I can can do with my swing so they were really like trying to more hands-on the interview. So it was like, it seemed like they were more interested than other teams were. Next question comes from Lamont Pope. Go ahead, Lamont. Hey, Jacob. First off, congratulations. Um, what to, your growth as a offensively and defensively, what areas did you feel that you made some progress in from your sophomore year to your junior year? And what areas do you want to continue to, to work on as you become a professional? Yeah, so my sophomore year, I got a little bit pull happy hit more home runs but average went down so my this past year I was hoping to hit the ball drive the ball the other way and I'm still figuring it out now and I'm getting there to where I'm driving balls over the fence in left field so uh just being able to spread out the the power and then also defensively I feel like I've gotten way better and um will continue to get better because I love taking ground balls uh, it's really fun to me and getting better defensively is just it makes me feel like I'm contributing when you're good defensively. Jacob, what's your experience with the wood bats? And, uh, you know, what, is, what do you think that uh, change is going to be like for you uh, becoming a professional now? Yeah. Uh, every time in the off season, I'll swing with the wood bat. And then obviously the past two summers with team USA is all wood bat. And growing up, I hit with mostly wood bat too and travel ball. So, I mean, I like it. I feel like I, it's weird to say, but I feel like I hit the barrel more on a wood bat because I don't want to break the bat. And then with the metal bat, I'm like, oh, I can be a little free and miss on the end sometimes. But but I feel pretty comfortable with wood bat. And, I mean, the sound obviously is amazing. So who's who would not love it? 
And that is Jacob Gonzalez on what the White Sox look to address with him. And, uh, you know, the big weakness for Jacob Gonzalez uh, coming out of, uh, you know, the scouting world is that, you know, he does have a lot of power. He has a a, a big left-handed swing, but the outer portion of the plate is something that uh, he might struggle with, especially at a major league level that possibly could be exploited. Um, Maybe that is something that the White Sox have identified. And what we have heard is that Gonzalez had a floor of the 15th pick, that he really wouldn't make it past the 15th pick with the White Sox, and and that stayed true. Um, So we see the White Sox identify a player that was fairly highly regarded um, in this draft, um, and it seems like they have an idea of how to help this player grow further. And I know that's been a frustration with a guy like Jake Berger, where his his wife is saying, hey, we're fixing your swing, Uh, but it does seem like they do have a direction right now with this player. Well, I mean, I, I think I mentioned it on yesterday's show. We did talk to Mike Shirley before the draft the other day, and and what he said was he thought that there were seven kind of slam dunk elite guys in this draft, and then even and and then after that, you know, it there was various degrees of risk with everybody from pick eight to pick one thousand or uh, whatever there pick is. Pick two oh nine. So, maybe. so uh, the point being that this is baseball. This is not the NFL or the NBA where these guys are going to be the next, the next uh, best player on your team, the face of your franchise, starting today, right? Mm-hmm. There is development. There's a reason they call it player development, and you don't pick these guys because they are ready to plug in to the major league roster tomorrow. You pick these guys up because you think you can turn them into somebody who can be a very uh, big impact player on your team. That's what all these guys are going to be. And so the White Sox... Um, over the last few years, particularly during that rebuilding time when those picks were very high, those first-round picks were very high, were taking guys where you could pencil them in. You could start penciling them in for a little bit down the road. This is a guy who is taken with a 15th pick. It's not a top-five pick. And so, listen, you should expect, and the White Sox should expect, that this guy is going to be an impact player at some point for them. But go ahead and look at the list of first-round draft picks in Major League Mm. history, you're going to see a lot of guys whose names you don't remember and a lot of guys who never even gave you a chance to remember their name because they didn't make the Major League. So uh, this is a a day or a few-day span here, this draft, where the future is built for the long term. And uh, even a guy like Jacob Gonzalez, who's been at the college level, probably – takes less seasoning than someone who has been at the high school level, let's say, for example. But um, he is a guy that is going to take some development. He's going to need to take some years to, like you said, iron out any issues that the scouts might view right now or have viewed coming into this draft. And the idea is that the White Sox will one day be able to count him amongst their 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 lineup in the major leagues. Well, and before we go to Herb's take on Jacob Gonzalez, let's, you know, the guy who was running this operation for the White Sox, Mike Shirley, commented on uh, Jacob Gonzalez, the prospect, and what they see in him. The MLB Combine has given us an avenue and a route to take a different outlook and, and look a little deeper behind the curtain with these interviews we're granted with the players. We're granted about 30 minutes one-on-one with the player. We try to use this as a more personal touch to really dive into the player. Um, some players make this extremely easy. The warm personality, the baseball knowledge of a Jacob Gonzalez allows you to access and have a conversation that's real. We wanted to ask some hitting stuff and his thought process and how he, he approaches the game, what how he describes his swing, the growth pattern he thinks it become as a way to get a little deeper from his thought process, um, approaches, plans the plate. 
we wanted those defined. He was engaged in that because I think he loves baseball that much. It was an engaging conversation. He's a warm kid. And we really like the kid, obviously, and we enjoy how he plays. We enjoy how he goes about it. So it was a great way for us to connect and, and get to know him. So I was very gracious the fact that he liked it like that. I think it's very interesting to hear about the MLB Draft Combine and now the time that they're allowed to talk to these players, and that's really what won uh, the White Sox over was talking to Jacob Gonzalez and getting his understanding of the game, how he approaches, and if they're trying to break down a swing, how can they talk to that player to best facilitate growth for him? Um, so hopefully the White Sox are doing everything um, in their best ability to grow this player, Herb, but the concern that I've heard um, is that this might be a regression to what the White Sox used to do. Uh, you, you see Jake Berger as a first-round pick, again, a, a college bat. Um, you see Nick Madrigal the next year, a college bat. You see Andrew Vaughn the next year, a college bat. And then they make the change from Nick Hostetler to uh, Mike Shirley. We see then Garrett Crochet, a freshman college pitcher. Uh, then we see uh, Colson Montgomery, a prep player. Then we see Noah Schultz, a prep player, but now a return to a college position player. Uh, do you think it it means anything for the the future? Is it just they like this kid and you think they're they've been going best player available, so they thought this was the best player available because there was thoughts that he could go five. I'm not too learned on the you know differences on college to prep, and I don't understand you know uh, high school players have different options than go to college, and if you don't pick them high enough, don't give them enough money in their slot. But so I depend on folks like yourself, uh, Jim Callis, Mark Jim Margulis, and the White Sox. Jim Callis. I know, but I, I mean, I'm from people who are smarter than I about the subject, you know, uh, White Sox Daily, those folks, and of course the Future Sox people. You can all follow those people on their individual accounts. But I like the fact that the kid has multiple things. His dad had a cup of coffee in the minor leagues, and was a high school coach. So he has the fundamentals down. He understands how to play baseball because he has been ingrained probably since a very young life. Kid was in California, Southern California, and he decided to go to the SEC. That's a far, that's a far drive. And I don't know if you guys know anything about, not you guys, but anybody knows anything about Southern California, they play baseball a little bit. They can play baseball at USC, at U, UCLA, Pepperdine, all those places. And he's like, Ooh, Pepperdine. I'm going I'm to shoo all you people. They can play for the banana slugs. At Santa Barbara. Good. But he's like, I'm going to go to Mississippi and play in the best conference for baseball down there at Old Miss. That tells me that he's not afraid of a challenge. He's not afraid to challenge himself to play versus the best. And he came immediately. He was a shortstop and a starter on that SEC team. In three years, he had great success. You know, he's had a great freshman year where his OPS was the best that he did in his career, but he didn't fall off the table too much. He says himself that he went a little too much for power last year, and then this year he is uh, more adjusted, and he's had like a 400-plus OPS or on-base percentage. So he has been a consistently good player. People tell me that maybe not refined glove at shortstop. So as Greg Miller says, and like everybody says, Pick shortstops. Colson Montgomery a couple years ago. This year you get this guy. They both come up. If one of them's not good, you can move one to center, move one to second, move one to third, one, one to third, first. They have versatility because of their their bearings at shortstop. I like that. I like to pick a guy like that. And I don't care if they're in high school or not. I mean, I think the high school guys are nice, especially if they play well versus their competition, but also you need them to go take longer in the minor leagues to get here because they'll be jumping up 
not just one level, two levels to a major league and professional's uh, career. I hear about the pedigree for sure, and I, I, I'm not saying versatility is a bad thing, but that's, I guess, the one thing that scares me is, you know, they took Andrew Vaughn, and again, he was a polished enough hitter. He was a polished enough college player and uh, you know, was doing well enough in the minor leagues that they were willing to try him in the major leagues. They were willing to try him out of position in left field. I mean, Jacob Gonzalez is a better athlete than Andrew Vaughn. Is he going to be in right field? Is he going to be in left field? I mean, can we see him at third base, second base, shortstop? Like, I don't. Shortstop's arm, he can play the corner outfield. I I worry that there's not a a huge direction with the pick, and I I, I think that it's more of a timeline-driven pick because what we did hear from Shirley last year about pitchers uh, was elite college pitchers have a window one to two years until helping you out. I wonder if looking at last year, Peyton Paulette, who was seen as an elite college pitcher, but had Tommy John, uh, same with Grant Taylor, an elite college pitcher, but had Tommy John, if those players are going to still have one to two year timelines because of, you know, uh, of being elite college uh, pitchers. So if the White Sox are looking to have those players uh, contribute to the team in 2024, 2025, wouldn't they expect Jacob Gonzalez as well, who's a four-year player? And you look at a lot of the four-year players that they took. That's the main thing is a lot of four-year players, six of the first or five of the first six were uh, four-year players, uh, not all seniors, but some were juniors, some were seniors, and then one uh, community college player uh, who was a first-year JUCO. Um, it, it does seem like, again, they're looking for a little bit more of an advanced timeline rather than Colson Montgomery, let's build up the player. Um, Pete, uh, uh, Noah Schultz, let's build up the player. I mean, both of those guys right now are in Kannapolis. Um, maybe you'd be able to see Colson next year, but I, I feel like that's a little bit. I mean, he was know. on a trajectory to be at the, on the major league staff probably either next year or the year after. I mean, like at minimum, a September call up in 2024. I think the injury pretty much put him back for a couple of years. Like, he wouldn't have been at Kannapolis this year if he was healthy. Right, Montgomery. Montgomery. Colson Montgomery. Yeah, but uh, he would have yeah. been. He would have. I mean, I know he, I they know. did Project Birmingham, and that's why he went up there. But I think that's probably where he would have started this year. Well, no, he probably would have been in Winston Salem because right now he's at Winston Salem, and that's okay. Advanced Day, right? He probably would have started the year if he was healthy at Winston Salem. Yes, because Project Birmingham was not a real thing. was not a promotion. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. It was a different type cool. situation. And he had but, success yeah. at Canapolis. He had success at Winston Salem. Winston Salem last year, uh, thirty-seven games, twenty-six walks, twenty-six strikeouts, an OPS of eight hundred three, and then fourteen games in Birmingham. And again, a pretty aggressive promotion. But they were trying. They had a, it a wasn't direction. A promotion. It well, was it, right. It was, it was an experiment. <laughs> yeah, it just uh, happened to take place at, at Double A. Yeah. He still got promoted. I guess I don't know what. Other I guess word I guess you could have seen a situation where had he been healthy enough to have a complete spring, he might have they might he might have impressed enough during the spring to have to to start at Birmingham right. and, and mm-hmm. spend a whole season there. But mm-hmm. well, um, I, I think you know if he he's only played four games at Winston Salem, but like what I think you are seeing is a a, a a kind of a mastery of this lower level for Colson. So I think we could see him. Promoted soon. That would maybe, make sense. Maybe in August uh, to to uh, Birmingham because uh, right now sixteen walks to nine strikeouts and a cool, cool OPS of twelve seventy <laughs> in uh, fourteen games. Just uh, normal stuff. So I mean, Colson does seem like a great athlete and and it, he is an exciting prospect. And uh, there's another exciting prospect they put, took uh, recently. But um, if, if I could give a comp of Gonzalez, I think he's maybe like budget Corey Seager. Uh, bats left, throws right. Um, Seager was taken 18th uh, by the Dodgers. I see you shaking your head, Herb. Uh, I'm in. Corey Seager was taken uh, 18th 
uh, by the Dodgers of in that draft. Uh, Seager was younger. He was 20. Gonzalez is 21. Um, and, again, I say budget because Seager's hit tool was a 60. Gonzalez's 55. Seager's power, a 60. Gonzalez's 55. Seager's run, 45. Jacob Gonzalez, 40. 40. Arm for Seager, 60. Jacob Gonzalez, 55. 55. Fielding for Seager, 55. And our, our glove is uh, 60 for Seager. Uh, fielding for Gonzalez is 50. So a, a little bit of a downgrade, but again, I think the idea is maybe this is a power left-handed middle infielder that could give you 25 home runs oh. and could play average defense, and you are expecting him to be an offensive middle infielder like a, a Seager like a, a Marcus Simeon. Sure, and but, I would imagine know, that there right are folks hand. down at 35th and Shields right now saying, boy, if that's how it turns out, then yeah. job well done. Having Colson I mean, Montgomery and uh, Jacob Gonzalez right. in the middle infield for the next 10 years, but, uh, both left-handed what, power hitting. That's it's, what you hope to do with a first-rounder. Right. But, we see but, so many first-rounders on this current team, too. Right, and and you know that's. I just want everybody to remember, though, that this is a, this is a long-term thing. Yeah. We're talking about Colson Montgomery – hasn't really played at double A yet. He mm-hmm. was drafted two years ago. You know, like he's a high schooler. That's how long it takes, and that's fine. He had the injury, obviously. But the point being that, you know, you're not – the White Sox certainly are not going, all right, well, when is Tim Anderson's contract up? When should we be dra- – how should, – should we draft somebody because of that? No. They're drafting a guy that they hope, fingers crossed, makes the major leagues and does well, well there. But- and And they – you, they do not I, – I can tell you this because this is what Mike Shirley said the other day, and we've heard it every year since. They do not look at the needs of the major league roster, the major league team, when drafting. That's smart. Now, I don't know if I believe that because – like, I, I, what, I don't, what do you mean you don't believe well, it? I, I don't know if it's necessarily like TA-driven, but I do think it's Luis Robert-driven. Like, Luis Robert is the window of this team. So but, would, the would the point, team- but the whole point of the organization is that the window never closes. You know what I mean? You yeah. can look at it and, and make an outside judgment and say, ooh, they better get some guys that can help out before – date X, right? But their thing is the point of the draft is to stock a farm system so your farm system keeps producing guys that are great and keep you great forever and ever and ever. It doesn't always, it rarely works out that way, right? But that's why there are so many players picked. It's why they do this every single year and it's why every time that something like this happens, they go, man, we really like this guy and man, we think that he can turn into something. Well, and seemingly the possible jewel of this draft wasn't even in the first six rounds for the White Sox. Uh, it wasn't even the first 200 picks That's of a lot the of hype. MLB draft. It's a lot of uh, hype. A lot of hype for <laughs> George Wolkow of Downers Grove North. Uh, he is a left-handed bat, right-handed thrower, uh, outfielder right now, 6'7", 239 pounds, uh, and he was Jesus. born in 2006. He is one of the youngest players in this draft at 17, and he reclassified from the 2024 class to the 2023 class. And you see fourth-year junior, fourth-year sophomore, fourth-year junior, fourth-year junior, uh, Juco first year, uh, fourth-year junior, um, and then George Wolkow, a prep prospect. It seemingly is the White Sox plan to underslot some of these fourth-year players, which is typical for most college players because they really don't have any other direction to go. It's, you know, my now time to go to the MLB. So if it's 4.4 or 4 million, you know, I, I, I am still getting that money and, you know, I'm happy to be a major league player. Um, Wolkow, the idea is they will probably overslot him and the MLB uh, 
uh, what's it called? MLB draft buzz is on fire about this kid. Um, so his started a spring season five for six with three home runs. Um, he was committed to South Carolina, but it does seem like the White Sox are going to again overslot him and get him to decommit from uh, South Carolina. Uh, he's described as a player with all the total teals, a huge frame, uh, comparisons to, of course, Aaron Judge, um, but also James Wood. He was a, uh, one of the the actor James no, Wood. No, no, no. Oh. We talked about Sean Spicer and James Wood. We don't need this. Piece uh, of candy. <laughs> uh, but uh, James Wood was the one of the key prospects in the Juan Soto trade. Uh, San Diego sending him over. He's six seven and hit ball hard. Hit ball hard. Very far. A big guy. Hit ball far. Um, but uh, then uh, Joe Doyle uh, of uh, now I guess what is this? Um, FF, FSS Plus. Um, Joe's been covering. Uh, MLB for a while. Uh, big get for the White Sox in the seventh round. Uh, local product. Extremely young. Reclassified. Huge product. Growing into a 6-7 frame over the last 12 months in her Chicago. Uh, had him in the second or third round. And now, of course, if they're getting him in the seventh round, I guess that is a, a good pick. Uh, even Jim Callis was surprised that the White Sox were able to get him in the seventh, saying that he was a second-round ta- talent. Um, so it does seem like the White Sox and a lot of Major League Baseball are being a little bit more aggressive about these prep players, but the White Sox seeing a guy 6'7 with this frame, if he was a second rounder, again, I mean, the White Sox could possibly say, we got three second rounders, or we got three, you know, top 60 players in this draft. I mean, that, that is the buzz that I think, you know, could be coming out of 35th and Shields with this, this pick specifically. That's an awesome pick, and I'm looking forward to that kid's success, mostly because of the White Sox and the local product. But a question that's a 6'7 person, by the way, Herb, yeah. who was not alive when the White Sox won the World Series. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. Golly. That just hurts. <laughs> you know, and I, I checked his Instagram, too, and it makes sense because Downers Grove North, there's pictures of Lalo and him in a Cubs jersey. There's pictures of him at beautiful and historic Wrigley Field. Seems like we got a, a north side. Yeah, on he our doesn't hands. remember good White Sox teams. No. Um, he kind of was, born he in was 10 when the Cubs won the World Series. So he celebrated that. Um, 10? 10? But think about this. Like, I don't know. That's like, how many, that's, I, I think that's how many uh, old styles my roommate had that night. Wow. <laughs> there, I know that Rick and Kenny are the overarching bosses. And to speak to your point, Vinny, like how they don't draft to help today's team, do. They keep the draft separate from what Rick and Kenny do on everyday basis. So I know Mike Shirley is the guy, but is he? Does it Rick and Kenny have final say on his pick, or is it Mike Shirley that's saying I'm picking this guy? Do you do you are you do you agree with this, uh, Rick and or Kenny? I would imagine that if Rick and Kenny and or Kenny had opinions on the matter, yeah. that they are the head of the baseball operations staff, they would be able to, yeah, say to, no. to weigh in. That being said, Mike Shirley is the head of the amateur amateur scouting, and okay. he's got a bunch of people that work with and under him. Um, I think it, it, is, it, is a, it is a department like player development is a, part, is a department, and mm-hmm. it, it, it moves that way, I think. Mike Shirley and the guys scout you, then they hand you over to Chris Getz and the player development guys, and then the idea is to hand you over to – you know, Pedro Grafal and the, and, the, and the Major Baseball, League Manager yeah. guys. Rick and, and Kenny are, are in charge of all of that, obviously. Um, but, you know, they've got plenty of work to do uh, looking at the Major League team. Exactly. And, and the other 29 Major League teams, for that matter. Um, I, I think they put a lot of trust in the guys who run the amateur scouting department, and it would make sense that um, 
you know, you want the people who are most informed and most educated on these things making those decisions. Doesn't mean that they don't weigh in, that they mm-hmm. don't have have thoughts on it or anything like that. But I think you want the people who have the most information, who uh, their their educated opinions are are the most valid. And be like likely that Rick and Kenny's biggest uh, job would be financial like hey this is the amount of money we'd like to spend or you know probably just controlling that you'd assume, perhaps but, but i mean I maybe but maybe it's it's a budget that and it's like hey this is guys this is your budget guys and and, and you know within that comes there, from a, and that comes it. from a different silo who knows so yeah it seems to be a, a ton of praise for this wall cow pick so i mean it, it seems like they manage their budget well enough to get Get it? Get this stud. Um, excited that he's a local product too. Um, again, he was ten years old when the Cubs won the World Series. That's, mm. that's and negative one years old when the White Sox won the World yes. Series. Yes. Um, he's a young. He's a youngin. But don't say that to his face because he's apparently six seven and oh he might God. step on you. Oh and, yeah. And two thirty seven. A foot taller than he's you. a beast. <laughs> what? He's as tall as Lucas Giolito. Lucas Giolito six seven and bigger. He's six six. <laughs> Well, he's and, right around, and he's bigger than, crazy. than probably what Lucas was last year, and is at his heaviest. That's an inch, like <laughs> stocky. Yeah, when Lucas was getting all pissed off and and, and lifting. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, let's take a quick break, and then we'll jump into the home run derby. Uh, we all came prepared with our Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. They have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses brought back by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, it tells us that they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. And if you don't love your Shady Rays, you can exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal this season. Go to ShadyRays.com and explore all of their lovely options. These are three different options you can get at ShadyRays.com. And use code CHGO for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized shades and the thing is they got a ton of options we I lots mean, uh, i was lots surprised and lots of options <laughs> so try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people and find the shades that best suit you also want to let you know about our friends over at foco get fitted in the best sports gear around they have hoodies shoes signs bobbleheads and everything in between that lovely southpaw bobblehead was donated by Foco, so go check out their bobbleheads. You can get lost during the home run derby when Luis Robert Jr. is not batting. Um, and since it is baseball season, they got Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, everything you need for a game. So get go to, uh, so check out Foco.com or click the link in the description below. And for online pre-sale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Again, at Foco.com, F-O-C-O, with promo code CHGO. Um, I also want to give a shout-out, quick shout-out to our friends over at Bird Dogs. Um, I don't know if the, oh, the, the logo's on the other side. I, I'm wearing the Bird Dog shorts. I got, I got the package today, and I was like, oh, these came wrapped in oh, plastic, nice. so they're clean, right? You wouldn't even expect that these are so comfortable. No, they're like, those are the 7-inch ones, right? Yeah, 6-inch. Uh, 6-inch? 6-inch. You know, I'm, I'm showing off the gams, showing you off are. the lovely legs, and I am wearing, you know, pants that I didn't have to iron. That are extremely just... They like, look flexible. Right, they're flexible. Uh, I, I've had cotton knit shorts before, and these are a better cotton knit short. What are you looking at? No, I'm just saying, they don't look, like, they don't look like gym shorts. Like, no, they those, don't. Those flexible shorts are usually look like gym shorts, and you're just like, 
Oh, you going out to a party tonight or are you going to work out, jerk? But no, these look great. I see them. Bird dogs in the back. <laughs> Bird dogs. No? Seeing a lot of skin there. Sorry. Above the short, I mean. Oh. The shorts are doing what they're supposed to do. We yeah, were no, seeing I'm sorry. some, I'm, I'm some sorry back skin. My yeah. bad. My bad. Hey, hey um, do, I, if Steven other... was actually uh, on the close shot, like I, was. I said, show my butt. I was. Oh, you were? Yeah, the bottom one is the live one. It's oh. true. Mm. Sorry, everybody. Um, <laughs> anybody's, anyways, <laughs> let's get into uh, the home run derby. I want some picks from you guys. All right, let's look at the bracket. Mm-hmm. Let's get into some picks, okay. and then I'll be dorky, and then I'll let you guys go have your summer break. At least uh, Vinny will have a little summer break. Um, let's start Luis Robert Jr. versus Adley Rutschman. Um, what do you guys make of the bracket? Robert versus Rutschman, a catcher's never won, and Luis Robert is the first White Sox representing uh, the team in, at the Home Run Derby since uh, 2016, uh, since Todd Frazier made it to the finals. Uh, can Luis Robert be the first one to win it since Frank in 94? He can, but I don't believe he will. There's so many people in there that I think are better actual home run hitters than he is and better in this contest, which is not necessarily are you the best home run hitter is there. Are you the best home run hitter that can endure multiple rounds of hitting home runs versus somebody else. And ho- who's, who's your pitcher? Like, I know they have uh, the Sierra guys as a, bullpen, as, as a pitcher, but he hasn't done this before. Pete Alonso has had the same guy multiple years, so he understands where he wants the ball to be thrown. He understands Pete's uh, wheelhouse. And in this contest, that is, I think, mostly uh, um, the value of you know winning this is understanding how things are done, when you need to take your break, how your pitcher needs to be in sync with you. That's how Bryce Harper won with his dad and such. And uh, Todd Frazier, I think, had his brother or his dad, too. So I don't know if he can win it. I mean, if he will win it, but he can win it. I agree with you, but, I mean, let's, let's look at the bracket here. Like, the big reason why I think Robert can win it is just because it is so in his favor. Because you look at that right side, Alonzo does have his pitching coach, but the guy he's going up against, J-Rod, the hometown kid, who hit 81 home runs last year, also has the same guy throwing old. He does. And so, he's going to have about 30,000 people behind him, too. Right. And he's 22. <laughs> he's younger. Like, I, I, I think that that's such a tough side of the bracket because, you know, you're probably going to have to hit 30 home runs to advance out of that first round if you're Alonzo or J-Rod. And then you have to face Vlad Guerrero Jr., who's hit 91 in this. Bet. And uh, the whole stat that I've been focusing on is average exit velocity on home runs. Usually the person that um, leads that um, goes to the finals or is the winner. That's Vlad Guerrero Jr. So, like, my... The favorite in my mind, you're going to have to face him if you're Alonzo or, or J-Rod. And for Vladdy, that's a tough matchup. Like, I don't know. You're, then you're going to have to face Luis Robert Jr.? Like, it seems like very heavily favored in Robert Jr.'s uh, standpoint from, from a matchup standpoint because he just has to get past Rutschman and maybe him and Sierra can work out the, uh, the kinks. I mean, listen. The Ray Davies. Yeah, they can work out the Ray Davies. And Dave Davies. And Dave Davies. Um, but uh, Luis Robert Jr. hits balls very far and very hard. And so uh, he's very well suited for this uh, competition because guess what? That's the name of the game. Um, I def- He could certainly win, absolutely. Uh, I would not sleep on Mr. Mookie Betts just no. because I don't think I've ever seen anything regarding baseball in any fashion or bowling that he can't do. Uh, so you, I wouldn't, wouldn't count that guy out. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, my uh, a bit of a dark horse pick. I'm going with Adolis Garcia uh, for the sole dumb reason that when the Rangers were recently uh, at guaranteed rate field, uh, every ball that he hit seemed to be going a million miles an hour. So um, I'm going to go ahead and say Adolis Garcia 
uh, muscles his way to to a win tonight. I like the pick. Um, again, I, I, that side of the bracket I think is winnable. Um, I think you know uh, Randy is going to be a, a Randy versus Adelise. That's going to be a lot a heated matchup there. It's going to be fun though, right? Yeah. But then like you know Robert, as long as he gets past Adley, I think he he's got which I think he does because the catcher's never won this. I think he's got the leg up against Garcia or, 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 or Rosarena. He hits the ball harder. He's bigger. He's younger than both of them. Um, and the big thing, too, like Mookie's hit a ton of homers this year. He's at 26. Um, his average distance on his home runs is under 400 feet. They all count, though, in the home run derby. They do, but yeah. if you hit them, if you hit two past 440, you get extra time. So he, he might just be dealing with a least amount of time. Um, so he's going to be have to be like Mr. Pitching Machine from a uh, backyard baseball. Like he's just going to have to be like swinging his one arm, just like do 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 do. Um, Give say, me Garcia over bets. I'm going to okay. go the opposite yeah. way with uh, Vinny because of the reasons that you were saying. The gauntlet on the right side is going to be tough. A lot of people are going to be hitting home runs, and they're going to be tired from that first round into the second round. So who the winner of the Alonzo slash Mookie Betts slash Guerrero um, Rodriguez side will be really tired on that side. While the winner on the left side, the Robert, Rutschman, Garcia, and my guy, Randy Arozarena, will be more rested. No, they will they'll hit a couple home runs, but I don't think it'll be the, the battle that's going to be on the other side where you got to hit a lot of home runs to get to the next round because the guy you're going against is really tough. I think Randy Arozarena and or Luis Robert will... Uh, will benefit from that, and then so when the finals come, they'll just be more fresh than the other guy, and they'll hit more home runs, one or two more home runs than the guy on the other side, and I'm going Randy or Rosarena. My favorite bet that I gave out on CHGO Bets Daily earlier today was a two-leg parlay at plus 113, and there's also a 50% DraftKings boost uh, on uh, DraftKings.com, or DraftKings if you want to uh, use it, uh, but it's Robert to advance to the first round um, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. to advance to the first round at plus 113. Um, it's plus money. I think both of those are, are pretty uh, easy, um, but then a lot of the Mookie Betts stuff uh, I'm, I'm betting on uh, under four, uh, the longest home run for Mookie Betts, under 459 and a half feet. Um, he has never hit a homer in a game, uh, 460. And I know that, you know, they're not. This is not a game. balls down the middle. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, they're not 90 mile per hour fast. They don't balls. get the benefit of right. the velocity. Sure. So I, I don't think Mookie's going to be able to hit, it, hit the distance. Uh, under 22 and a half for Mookie as well. He's going up against Vlad. He's going to need to hit 1,000 homers to beat Vlad, and I don't think he's still going to be able to do that. Um, under 20 and a half for Adley as well, because I don't think he gets past the first round, because I think Luis Robert Jr. wins the whole thing. And uh, a lot of totals top tapped out at like 19 uh, last year as well. Um, and then under 28 and a half for uh, Randy Rosarena. I like Garcia as well. Um, and then the the one big one too I'm, I'm hoping for is uh, a Rosarena to advance, Robert to advance, J-Rod to advance, Vlad Guerrero Jr. to advance. And that's uh, at plus 11 to 1. So uh, 10 wins you 128. Um, so fingers crossed. There's there's your picks if you're looking for a way to gamble. Make sure you're hitting up uh, that thumbs up button uh, if, if you have joined us. We do have uh, one more graphic too. And, and since Steven was, I, I was a pain and made him put this together um average exit velocity on home runs again has been the biggest uh, signifier of someone who makes the finals or wins uh that leader is Vlad Guerrero Jr. at 109.1 Robert's third on this list so again you know the best on that left side um and then average distance on 110 plus mile per hour balls um Vlad Guerrero has hit 30 of them which is really good, but a lot of them have been just into the ground, which wouldn't be good for the home run derby. Um, so that's why it's at 216. Robert has Consistently, when he's hit them that hard, 
has made them go over the fence. Uh, seven batted balls over 110 miles per hour and an average distance of 389. That's second, and uh, Betts is the leader, and he's only hit one um, at that, so that's why he's he's got an average distance of 398. So I really do think that Robert will be the freshest, and I think that we could see it. Uh, first time since Frank Thomas in 94, uh, 19 years later. Uh, Luis Robert will be doing it in AL Park. Um, and the real reason, too. Sean, it's worse than you thought. What? It's 29 years later. Oh, 29 years later. That's <laughs> yeah. fine. Oh, I, I that in, means I I'm going to be older. Um, but the main reason, I like trends. You know who won the, to- uh, the, the home run derby? Safeco Field, now T-Mobile Park in 2001. Last time it was at the All-Star Game. 2001. Beat uh, Sammy Sosa. I don't. Griffey? Nope. He's an NL guy, NL outfielder. NL outfielder in 2000. Barry Bonds? 2001. I have no good idea. Good guess. Barry Bonds, though. It was, was an was, NL outfielder in, in no, 2001. And he was, he was in the – he was in, <laughs> it was a good guess. 2001. Beat Sosa. 2001. You just keep repeating the phrase 2001. Uh, Luis Gonzalez. Luis Gonzalez, because right. they won the World Series in 2001. I was going to guess Stanley oh. Kubrick. So, oh, there he is. <laughs> uh, Luis Gonzalez won it in 2001. He was, he was helped. Oh, because they won the World Series. That's why right. you were saying that. He gotcha. was helped. Yeah. Luis Robert Jr. has the same name as Luis Gonzalez. He does. First name, yes. The pitcher for Luis Robert Jr., Luis Sierra. Luis, Luis, Luis. I think, I think that is very good Luis for the White wild. Sox. It's, it's uh, what's the What's the Seinfeld thing? I've never watched it, so I wouldn't you know. you never watched Seinfeld? Not really. Wow, I was striking out on Star Wars and Seinfeld today, Herb. What yeah. was the two? The, it's, uh, the two, the, the movie. The, Rochelle, like, Rochelle. Rochelle, Rochelle. Thank Rochelle. you. Um, there you go. Um, but yeah, uh, Luis Sierra. It's been a um, long journey from Milan to Minsk. Thank you. Um, uh, Luis uh, Sierra, uh, originally from Colombia, was signed as an undrafted free agent by the Sox in 2007. Uh, spent eight of his 10 years, uh, minor league years, with the Sox and uh, has been with the Sox since uh, 2015 as a, a coach slash instructor. And uh, he was also the first base coach for Team Columbia in the 2017 uh, World Baseball Classic. So uh, shout out to Luis Sierra, uh, a member of the Sox organization for a long time, but uh, obviously uh, behind the scenes. So, right. you know, let's give him some love today. Give us the quiz, Stephen. Pull the comments down. All right. All right. Before thank you. we go, we'll, um, we'll do this real quick. Final one. Sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. AL well, Central well, All Stars for the teams that are above the White Sox and Royals. We were talking about this earlier. Sox? Could you name the Royals All Star? Royals All Stars: Salvi Perez. Yes. Sox All Stars: Luis Robert Jr. How many more are there between the other three teams? Five. Five. Five between the Tigers, Twins, and Guardians. Okay. And before, while you guys think, I'm just going to read this quote from Lindsay Adler on uh, Nick Castellanos, because uh, it is All-Star Weekend, uh, on Scooby-Doo. First off, he's a dog who could talk. So I think a dog that can talk and can help people by solving mysteries is a superhero. So I love All-Star Weekend, because we get comments like that. You get silly questions. Um, oh, I know one of them. Pablo Lopez is an All-Star for the Twins. Correct. I'm going to go stay with the Twins, and I'm going to say... You can't leave until you get all five. Sonny <laughs> Gray. Correct. Two for two. Okay. So there's only... Three more. That is, you are you're done with the Twins. I'll say Jose Ramirez. Correct. Okay. The Guardians t- have one more. <laughs> oh, so one Tiger and one Guardian. Yes. I'll help All right. You out. I'm going to say Emmanuel Classe. Correct. Four for four. Okay. So we just got to guess the Tiger. Jesus. And here, is, it, is it, what's his face? The closer? No, not, not what's his face. Lang, right? Yeah, not Dickie. It's not him? Um, mm. fuck. Um, mm. Jesus. Uh, Torkelson. It's not Javi Bias. No, it's not right? Torkelson. It's not Javi Bias. Green. He uses his arm. 
It's not Riley Green. He uses well, I his guess arm. Does that mean he's a pitcher? Edwin <laughs> Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. Not, not no, Eduardo, that's not his Eduardo, name, but Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah, not Eduardo Rodriguez. Oh, boy. Jesus. Really What's good against, he's really good against the White Sox. Really, Bo Brisky. Nope. Okay. <laughs> really good pitcher versus the White Sox. So, I mean, you, said it, you said it weird. It's not Tariq Scooball. Tariq Scooball. And it's not Matthew Boyd because he's terrible versus the White Casey Sox. It's not Casey Mize. This player um, God, be here forever. Uh, is one of 11 players since the integration era to have 36 innings or more without allowing a home run to the White Sox. Joining uh, Milo Candini, Earl Johnson, Mike Fetters, <laughs> Dwayne Ward, Dennis Lamp, Dan Ozinski, Fred Newman, Stu Miller, Jim Kern, Dean Stone, and Sam Zodolak. I guess uh, he's, I'm familiar he's, with he's Mike Fetters. Oh, oh I got it. I got it. Michael Lorenzen. Michael Lorenzen. Oh, Michael Lorenzen. Is he is he hitting or pitching? Both. The wow. Pillsbury throw if, boy. If, if the AL is down, which they're never because they usually dominate this uh this event. Um, Michael Lorenzen can bet. Michael Lorenzen might hit. Um, anyways, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us. Um, hopefully this wasn't too goofy. Uh, thank you to Vinny Duber. Uh, make sure you follow him on uh, Twitter, at Vinny Duber. But he's going to be uh, MIA for a while. He's going to be on follow vacation. Instagram, more so, likely. Yeah, there you go. Uh, check out his uh, East Coast. We know Coast White Sox-related things there, but yeah. Ravels. Um, <laughs> yeah. You sometimes post, like, uh, hey, I'm at the ballpark. Hmm. Rarely. Do, rarely. Do that <laughs> um, but uh, Vinny's going to be uh, on vacation, so uh, you don't see a ton from him on Twitter, and, and rightfully so. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at ActorWall23. is our CHGO White Sox community leader. And I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. I will likely be tweeting out uh, during the Home Run Derby uh, from both uh, my account and the CHGO White Sox account, so make sure you follow there. Um, and uh, we'll keep you updated. If Luis wins the damn thing, I'll probably... I can record another episode or something. Wow. Uh, that'd be, that'd be I'll be here. That'd be I mean, big. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it. Make sure you hit the thumbs up button, and we will talk to you later. Bye.